1 Kings chapter 17, beginning at verse 8. And the word of the Lord came unto him, that's Elijah, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman, not a widow woman, the, that lady, the widow woman, was there gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. Any hospitable person would do that back in that day. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thy hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks. That's not going to be a very big fire that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did, according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. I know that's a long reading. I wanted you to hear the entire story. Would you just thank the Lord right now that he is a great and mighty God and a provider, Lord. I thank you. What a great God you are. Thank you for what you're going to do today. Amen. God bless you. Please be seated. The meal barrel miracle. The Bible is a book of miracles. The Bible proves that God is a healer. Old and New Testament, over and over again, God miraculously heals people. In our Bible, the dead were raised back to life again. Superior enemies like Goliath or the Philistines or the Amorites were defeated because God intervened. The Bible proves that God gives us victory over our enemies. Throughout the Bible, Old and New Testament, God brought nature under the control of His Word as storms were stilled and oceans and rivers parted so God's people could pass through. The sun even stood still. Figure that one out. Among the many miracles in the Bible, as I was praying and preparing for today, I really started thinking about God's power to provide, about His supernatural supply for the needs of His people. And there are many examples in the Bible. Let me just give you a few. In the Old Testament, wanderings in the wilderness, Israel drank water from a rock in a desert. 
Israel was fed manna in the wilderness that fell out of heaven like the dew in the morning. God sent millions of quail that settled on the ground for miles, the Bible said, and they ate to their fill. The bitter waters at Merah were made sweet when Moses threw in a branch so God's people would have the provision of healthy water to drink. Elijah also healed the springs of Jericho when he threw salt into them. And there's a very interesting story later, but the widow's oil was multiplied. You see the oil in the foyer representing lost souls that God can bring back to him. There were a group of prophets, and and they were going to have a meal. They were gathering gourds, and somebody got something poisonous and put it in the pot. And they started eating that pot of stew when someone said, death is in the pot. But Elisha fixed that, put something in the pot, some meal, and the meal was healed. Now that's a crazy story, but I wanted you to see that God takes care of his people. He provides for us in the many miracles of Jesus. There were several that had to do specifically with provision. His first miracle, turning water into wine. Filling the empty nets with fish after they had fished all night and caught nothing. Feeding 5,000 men plus women and children with just, you know, five loaves of bread and two fish. Feeding 4,000 people. Finding money in a fish's mouth to go pay a temple tax. And all of this happened in the ministry of Jesus, even to the very end after his resurrection, again, filling empty nets with fish. God is a provider. And no wonder in the Old Testament, King David would say, I have been young and now am old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. He is ever merciful and lendeth and his seed is blessed. And no wonder in the New Testament the Apostle Paul would say, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. God has a supply chain to provide for the needs of his people. God is faithful to his principles, to his promises, to his people, and to his purpose. There is no question that God is Jehovah Jireh, the God who sees and will provide. God is able to provide. And this story that I read to you today is about God's provision for a woman who was down to nothing. Now, 1 Kings 17 opens with Elijah prophesying a three-year drought. Jesus will reflect on this story and tell us that the drought lasted for three years and six months. And with the drought, eventually would come a famine. So uh, Elijah prophesies this, and then the Lord tells Elijah, I want you to go down to a little creek, to a brook, and I want you to abide there, and I'm going to take care of you at that little brook, Cherith. Elijah goes there, and the Bible said that he drank of that brook, and he was fed twice a day 
by ravens that would come and bring him food. Now, I know you know this if you're a Bible reader, but often God does things in very unorthodox ways. He's got his prophet camping out by a creek, drinking water from a dwindling water source, and he's got ravens that according to the Bible in Leviticus 11 and Deuteronomy 14 are unclean birds. They're abominations. But God uses them to come bring food morning and afternoon to Elijah in a drought and in a famine. But then the Bible said that this brook started drying up. There was no rain in the land. And while Elijah had prophesied the drought, he wasn't exempt from that drought. He lived there as well. And the water source of the brook Cherith started drying up. But God always has a next for his people. He will never leave us without the resources of his great provision. And there was a next step for Elijah. Now, this unorthodox feeding by ravens at the brook was going to get even more unorthodox. The Lord said, Elijah, I want you to go outside the borders of Israel. I want you to go to Zarephath that belongs to Zidon, a Gentile region. There's a widow woman there. I think she probably believed in God. But she was not a Jewish lady. And the Lord said, I have commanded an unlikely person. She's a Gentile. She's a woman. She's very poor. And she's going to take care of you there. She's going to give you water. So Elijah being the obedient prophet that he, he is, he goes there. Now Jesus, when he reflects back on this story, says that in the days of Elijah during this drought, there were many widows in Israel, church people, God's people. But evidently, none of them qualified for this special visitation, but a Gentile woman living outside of Israel. God sends Elijah to Zarephath to a widow there. And this is a very strange arrangement, but it's really an upgrade for Elijah. He has been camping out by a creek. Now he's going to live in a little studio apartment owned by a dead broke widow woman. But he's obedient to God like all of us should be. And as Elijah goes into Zarephath, he sees this lady, this widow woman. She's out scavenging around to try to find two sticks. Now, I don't know about you, but I've built a few fires in my life and two sticks doesn't make much of a fire. So you can tell this story's letting us know that we shouldn't expect very much out of what she's going to do. So Elijah comes and we read all this, but he asks her for some water. Remember, there is a drought. He doesn't ask for a gallon of water. He just asks for a little bit of water that he can have a drink. Now, every hospitable person in that day would do that. So the widow obliges, and she's headed to go get this little drink of water for Elijah. 
But while she's going, and when I read this story, I, I actually feel that there was like a prompting of the Lord to Elijah. Because his first request was a natural request. It was a request for something to drink. He's been traveling and he's thirsty. But now he adds to it. She's walking away. Oh, by the way, sort of, you know. While you're going, <clears throat> why don't you bring me something to eat? <clears throat> Give me a morsel of bread in your hand. I, I believe that this little request sets up a conflict and a choice of fear or faith, of obedience or disobedience, of a miracle or starvation. And so the widow, in verse 12, tells Elijah the way it really is. As the Lord thy God liveth, not my God, thy God lives. I don't have a cake. All I've got is a little handful of meal. Got a little teeny bottle of oil. I'm going to get these two sticks. We're going to go in and make this little cake. My son and I are going to eat it. And then we're going to die. That doesn't sound like faith to me. Now she's a mother of a, a young son. Later in this same passage, we see that she can hold him in her arms. You think about a widow woman. Maybe she's older and her older husband has died. But this is a young woman. Her young husband has died. She's got a young child, young enough for her to hold in her arms. And she's watching him starve to death and die. And that's what is happening to her. This entire region is in a famine. Food is scarce. And everyone is indigent, not just this widow woman. She is at the point of starvation. She's rummaging around trying to find these two sticks for this meager meal. And she tells this entire story to Elijah because this is her reality. This is where she lives. The meal barrel will be empty by sundown. We'll be dead by sunrise. And if we happen to live a little longer, we don't have long to live. So, Mr. Jewish Stranger, I don't know why you came here to ask anything from me. I'm the most unlikely person in the world. And I just want you to know that there's not enough for you. And there's not enough for us. My little boy comes first. And he's dependent on me. But this next statement by Elijah is a statement that I feel in my spirit for those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, who call ourselves Christians, who walk by faith and not by sight, who say we believe in the Word of God and the promises of God. Elijah says to her in verse 13, Fear not, because in our culture, fear is a factor in our decisions. Fear is a factor in our giving. Fear is a factor that controls the behavior of many people. Fear not. Go and do what you plan to do. You're going to go make a little cake for your son that you and him can eat it and die. But go ahead and do what you're planning. But I've got an addition to that. I want you to make me thereof a little cake first and bring it unto me. And then after that, make some for you, thee, and thy son. Now he's telling her that if you will make it for me first, 
that there's going to be a second. That if you make it for me, there's going to be some for you and there's going to be some for your son. But she doesn't see it that way. She's already told him that I don't have enough for my son and me and you. We're going to eat this little bit and die. It's not even enough for a really good meal. But Elijah tells her that she should not fear. It is obviously that that she is motivated by fear. She has a fear of the famine. She has a fear of dying. And now she has a fear of giving. She has a fear of putting God first because it's not rational. It is not logical. It doesn't make any sense at all. She's afraid to do what Elijah has asked her to do. And fear is the factor that neutralizes faith. Fear is often rooted in facts. It's not always a a phobia, not always an irrational fear. Fear is a real thing. There is a fear of starvation that this woman is feeling. It is her reality. But fear says that if I do what God says for me to do, that it's not going to work out. The math doesn't work. The equation won't be solved. There's no way that I can give you a cake first and still take care of myself. Fear says I have limited resources and I need to guard what I have carefully to take care of myself. There is a fear of running out, running dry, going bankrupt. And we, every one of us, are acutely aware of our own limited resources. We know that we don't have an endless supply of anything in our life. We know that. And here's Elijah that says, make me a little cake first. Now, it implies, as I said, that there's going to be a first and a second. Feed me first. Now, when I read this story, you know, I'm a dad, a husband, father, grandfather. I don't know how you are, but around my house, I don't eat first. I'm going to take care of my family first. Remember in Samaria when those women were eating their children? They were selfish. They were starving. They were taking care of themselves first. They had lost the natural instinct that their children should have eaten, not them. That's my natural instinct. And here's Elijah on the face of it. You know, it doesn't make sense. And I'm a little aggravated at him for being so cruel to this widow woman. Right? What person in their right mind? would tell a starving lady and her starving son to feed him first. That doesn't even make sense. But this is a spiritual principle. It is not about putting Elijah first. It is about putting God first. It is about putting faith ahead of fear of overcoming your fear with faith in the Word of God. You see, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. There's something in the voice of Elijah that sparks faith in the mind and the heart of this widow woman. There is a principle of putting God first. Amen. And then Elijah expands on what's going to happen. Thus saith the Lord. Whenever the Lord speaks, it doesn't matter what the circumstances are. It doesn't matter if it's bleak, dark, if there's a river standing in front of you, if there's impossibility, 
When the Lord says, thus saith the Lord, you can take it to the bank that God supersedes nature. A miracle occurs when God suspends the laws of nature. We are people of faith. The meal barrel shall not waste. Neither shall the cruise of oil fail until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. When things get back to normal, you will no longer need this miracle. God promises God-fearing Gentile widow that Almighty God, the God of the Jews, is going to provide for her as long as she needs supernatural provision. He tells her, if you will obey my word and put me first, that Jehovah God will be your provider. You see, God's provision is not based on what you have or what you do not have. God's promises are anchored in what He has. My God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. This miracle is going to last. So, verse 15, she went and did according to the saying of Elijah and she and he and her house, her son, did eat for many days. And all of that time, the meal barrel wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail according not to the market that was downtown that she went and bought more, but according to the word of the Lord. I want to remind you that God started with nothing but his word. And God said, let there be light. And if you have a word from the Lord, it is more powerful than anything in this entire world. When God speaks, he speaks into existence that which is not. He calls those things that are not as though they already were. According to the word of the Lord. Not just Elijah's word. But the Lord's word through Elijah. They had plenty to eat. Now the Bible doesn't say that the meal barrel was full. It just says it was never empty. I just see her going there every day. With enough. For another day. His mercies, his provisions are due every morning. And every day there is enough. And while others suffered in the famine, and no doubt many died of hunger, this widow lived on the promise of God and she survived. But her miracle began with an act of obedience in the face of circumstances and all human logic. But she demonstrated faith in God. She thought the meal would not last through the day. But it lasted till the end of the famine. Remember Jesus said three years, six months. I went back a Jewish year can vary. 354 days is a normal Jewish year. Three and a half years of famine. They were already into the famine when Elijah went there. But it's possible that, you know, this famine would have lasted 1,239 days. 
It's possible that a day's worth of meal lasted a thousand days or who knows. You can say, well, that is impossible and it is impossible with man, but it is not impossible with God. He was able to multiply the meal until the famine ended. And the miracle for this widow also became the support for the man of God. She supported the work of God, if I can say it like that. And while God's kingdom was supported, she was also blessed in the process. The Lord said, I commanded a widow woman to sustain you. So I have to think it wasn't just about the widow woman. It was about the man of God, the work of God. But he used this woman to have a miracle. I think on a day like today, when we're thinking about world missions and sheaves for Christ and blessing the work of God around the world, this is a win-win that God blesses us while we bless his work around the world. That's just the way he works. You can have just a handful of meal and live forever on the promises of God. I wonder today, would you like to experience a meal barrel miracle? Would you like to see God turn your nothing into something? Would you guys like to see God take the little that you have and multiply it to be more than you could ever have dreamed? Well, there's a principle wrapped up in this story. It is the God first principle. The Bible said you put money in your, in your bags, but it's got holes in it. You got holes in your pockets. And you put money in, but it just seems to go places you don't even know where it went. That's because you're not living according to God's word. Make me a little cake first, right? Amen. The destiny of the widow and her son hinged on a single act of obedience. And we can make a decision today whether we trust God or consume that last handful of meal and die. We are called consumers for a reason. But the difference between spiritual life and death, or heaven and hell, is really determined by this God first principle. I know you're ahead of me, but Jesus said this in Matthew 6.33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. This is the God first principle and it is for your benefit and blessing, not God's. God doesn't need you to obey Him, but you need to obey God. Now Matthew 6, 33, this verse is right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, the middle chapter of the Sermon on the Mount. And if you back up a few verses from this verse, you will find what Jesus was talking about when He said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. In verse 25, I'm reading the New Living Translation. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest. or These are the words of Jesus. Or store food in barns. For your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to Him than they are? Yes, you are. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and 
thrown into the fire tomorrow, He will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, Jesus said, saying, what will we eat or what will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. Think about this. Getting by, getting ahead dominates. The Bible and the King James says the Gentiles, they seek after this. That's their entire world. They don't understand God as a provider. They don't believe that God is able to supply all of their needs according to His riches in glory. So they believe it is up to them. So they hoard and consume and lay up inordinate treasures. They're just trying to make a go of it for themselves. That's what unbelievers do. They are preoccupied and obsessed about getting by. But we're not like they are. We have a heavenly father that knows we need these things before we even ask them. That's what it says. Your heavenly father already knows all your needs. And then to verse 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things that I've just talked about, Jesus said, will be added to you. It comes second when you put me first. Just like the provision for the widow came after she put God first and made Elijah a little cake first. That's how God works. So I want to assure you today that God cares about your family and your future. And when you have faith in God, you put Him first. And then when you don't, you, and when you don't have faith in God, you don't put Him first. And you can find the answer to whether or not you have faith in your checkbook or your bank account and how you respond to the obedient word of God or the word in obedience to the word of God. When you put God first, he becomes a partner with you. And he's committed to your care. He has the resources to take care of you. He is your provider. He will supply all your needs according to his riches. So, so right now today on this Sunday morning, what do you have in your hand? I know the story is a widow with a handful of meal, right? So what do you have? What do you have in your bank account? What do you have? What do you have in your resources? What do you have in your hand? And right now today, will you will you close your hand around what you have? Or will you open your heart and in turn open your hand? Will you put God first and make for him first? Or will you consume what you have? In our church family. We have people who are part of our church family that effectively all they have is a handful of meal. They don't have much at all. They live week to week, paycheck to paycheck. They barely get by, but they get by putting God first. That meal barrel may never be full for them, but it has never been empty. And God has always supplied their needs according to His riches in glory. There are other people in our church who have more than a handful of meal in their hands. They have considerable assets. And I can assure you that regardless of your net worth, your savings or your holdings, all of your resources can dwindle, Jesus said, 
laying up treasures on the earth. Moth and rust can corrupt and thieves can break through and steal and no matter how secure you think it is, it can be all taken away in a moment of time in an economic crash. Your investments may be growing, but ultimately on earth, no investment is 100% safe. So in other words, whether you're poor or rich, whether you have a little or a lot, and there are God's people throughout the ages that have been very wealthy people. God is not against you being wealthy. He's against you trusting in your wealth. But whether you have a little or a lot is not even the point. Whether you give a little or a lot today is not the point. It is being able to give according to your ability, according to God's provision in your life. And will you lay up treasures on the earth or will you put them in heaven? Will you live by fear Or will you live by faith? I can testify that in the past 25 years, this church and beyond 25 years has put God first and God has blessed us. And today, once again, we will prove that God is a provider. Today, we'll make sacrificial, generous, sheaths for Christ commitments. And I've always asked you, please don't borrow to give. Just give what's in your hand. He may ask for it all or a part. That's between you and the Lord. And what you have in your hand can certainly be used for many other things. It could be invested, put up for retirement, spent on things you're planning to buy, living by the necessities. But today I want to echo the words of Elijah to the widow woman. Fear not. Put God first and watch him work I want to tell you two stories people at Atlanta West last year on September the 5th I received an email from a family in our church it was after our Sheets for Christ sacrificial offering and this is a faithful family the email said this happens to us every year and we are so excited to share so I thought if it happens every year what happened in 2018. So I went back and read their testimony from 2018. They said, God did something awesome for us relating to the SFC sacrificial offering and we wanted to let you know. And they've asked to be anonymous. I will not share the names of these stories. We have been saving for a future move in less than two weeks. But we still wanted to support Sheaves for Christ so we made a pledge last Sunday. It wasn't a considerable amount of money, but it was a sacrifice for us due to our future plans. Yesterday, I guess that would have been, uh, well, this was a year before, so I'm not sure the date. Yesterday, we received an unexpected refund check in the mail for over three times our Sheaves for Christ pledge. That was SFC 2018. So roll ahead a year to last year, And this is their story. We recently invested in our own business. And we've been trying to accumulate funds in the business account to keep it running well. We felt impressed to pledge to Sheaves for Christ the total amount in the business account. Not long after the commitment, the business made almost three times the amount pledged in one day. We truly believe that you can't 
outgive God. And we are so thankful to be able to invest in his kingdom. We ought to applaud the Lord for a miraculous provision because a family stepped out on faith. They said, thank you, AWPC, for allowing us the opportunity by promoting Sheaves for Christ. See, their gift to God triggered God's gift to them. Now, I can't tell you that that will happen to you. I can just tell you that God is able and he did it for them. One more story. There's a single mom in our church, a precious lady. She said, God has been so good to me. I discovered that there is a secret in giving. The more I give, the more I receive. I'm a single mom with minimal income, yet I have a family in my home country that I also support. We live, she said, from paycheck to paycheck. She said the first time I heard of She's for Christ, I had already budgeted for every penny I had, but I decided to give. I do not recall how much I gave, but the following month, I received a check from the IRS for $750. I called my tax preparer to ask if people were receiving extra checks. She said that they had no idea why the IRS had sent me a check. After the second month, I got a check from my insurance company. At first, I wondered that I forgot to renew my contract. But when I called, they told me that I had overpaid. That check was for $700. I kept on receiving checks. I don't even recall where one of the checks even came from. I decided that instead of cashing one of the checks, I would just endorse the check and give it to the church. All during this time, I was working on my immigration papers to the U.S., After two weeks, my immigration attorney called me and told me that my immigration case had been denied. I was so frustrated. I spent a lot of money and I had no more money to spend. I requested prayer from our Bible study group. And on Sunday, pastors prayed over me and the family in the church. On Monday, I spoke with my attorney and she told me that she needed an additional $6,000 in her fees for her work, and an extra $3,500 for application fees. She said, I lost my appetite that day. Got prayed for on Sunday, got worse news on Monday. That's what prayer will do, right? She said, but after a couple of days, I received a letter from my bank. It said that they were sorry, but they had taken out extra insurance money for my car. She said, I didn't even own that car anymore. That situation was from 10 years prior. They sent me a check, you ready for this, for $8,000. This single mom who lives from week to week said, God is good all the time. Amen. And this past week, this past week someone texted me and said that this precious lady received her green card this past week, and she said, now I can live worry-free and rebuild my life. I want to tell you that God is able to provide. He's able to supply all my need, all your need, according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. 
Don't you know the Lord said, why don't you prove me in giving and see if I will not open to you the windows of heaven. You may not know where those windows are. It might be a bank or an insurance company or a relative or someone you never dreamed of. But there is a God in heaven who will never be in debt to us. Amen. Why don't we applaud the Lord and would you please stand right now and give him praise and honor and glory for his goodness. I want you to just praise the Lord right now. Give him thanks. Amen. Now, if you would be seated again. The committed members of our church have been faithful, generous, and sacrificial in tithing, but giving to missions, especially to Sheaves for Christ. You've been an example, an inspiration, and a testimony to what God can do when you put Him first. I've been praying this week about today, and I've been praying that God would release in here today the gift of faith. And faith is not an emotion. It's a supernatural, beyond just having faith, a gift of faith. I've been praying that God would release a gift of faith according to 1 Corinthians 12, 9. Yesterday I felt that I should also pray that God would impart the supernatural gift of giving according to Romans 12 and 6, that if you have a 6 through 8, verse 8, he who gives with liberality. If God gives you the gift of giving, then he will also give you the gift of getting. He will give you the ability to make money beyond your ability so that you can be generous in giving. And if God has blessed you and you've not been generous in giving, be careful, in a moment it can be gone. This church has blown my mind. 2018, over $100,000 to She's for Christ. And last year, you know, sometimes when you get to a new offering, you're like afraid to say the amount. Like, oh, what if it doesn't happen this year? Well, I can tell you that I really don't care. I do care, but you know, it doesn't matter to me about the number. But last year, $261,000 came from this local church to She's for Christ. It's an all-time record of She's for Christ giving of any church in the United Pentecostal Church in North America. But it's not about the total giving. It's about every person praying, hearing the voice of God, and obeying that voice. It is about taking a step of faith, like this widow woman that turns a handful of meal into a thousand-day supply or whatever it was. That's why at our church years ago, we just quit setting a goal. If I told you that we're going to give $261,000, for most of you, you're like, that doesn't mean anything to me. I can't do that. And you can't do that. I can't do that. I can only do my best. And when I do my best, I've learned that God will do the rest. So our goal at our church is for each person to sync up to the Spirit of God.
to hear his voice. So today we're going to make a little cake. Whatever the largest offering given today in the next two weeks is, no matter, no matter what that offering is, to the needs of the world, it will just be like a little cake. So I, I want you to just make a little cake first. The best you've got, the best you can do, and give it to the Lord. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Does anybody need a meal barrel miracle that anybody like? I want to pray. Lord, I, I pray that you would allow our hearts to be open to you. And that as we open our hearts, we would open our hands. Lord, we have freely received So now we freely give. We had plans for what's in our hands. But today those plans are changing. And we're trusting you for what you have given to us. Just as you did for the widow in Zarephath in Elijah's day, I pray that you would miraculously multiply what we give to you And as we put you first, Lord, we know that all the other necessities of life will be added to us. I pray, Lord, that you would open the windows of heaven on this church and on faithful, generous, sacrificial people who give by faith. Let the miracle of this 2020 Sheaves for Christ offering be a testimony that even in times like these that you are faithful. I pray that you would release the gift of faith today and that you would impart a gift of giving. I pray, Lord, that you would allow every dollar given be to your glory alone. Let us amplify your voice in the world. I pray today that you would let this church experience a meal barrel miracle. And for that, I give you all the glory.